Okay, tonight I have, uh, I wanted to preach this message uh, a long time ago, and the Lord kept holding me back from it, and, and holding me back, and uh, now's the time. Where's Greg at? Where do you go? He, I saw him a little while ago. Greg was telling me, he wanted to know, oh, there he is, there he is. He wanted to know what my message was, and I keep it a secret, because my wife will, I don't want, I don't want any interference, you know what I mean? I have to make sure I've heard from the Lord on it. Like I told you last week, I'd rather not preach. I'd rather just, I, I, I'm not going to get up here and just give you a message. I can pull something out of the Bible. I don't want to do that. I don't pull rabbits out of hats. I want the presence of God to be speaking. I, it has to be something I own. It's something I've lived. It's something that God's breathing into me. So if you would, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, it says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. The King James Version says, From the days of John the Baptist until the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, when we, when we look at this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into the Greek just a little bit here, just so you guys can get an idea of what's going on. First of all, where it says there in the NIV, subjected to violence, the, 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 word, the Greek word there is biadzo. And it properly means to forcibly seize, to lay hold of something with positive aggressiveness. Advance forcefully. It is only used twice in the New Testament, and both times it's used positively. The next word I want you to take a pay special attention to, and it says, and violent people, or subjected to violent, and, and it says in the next part there, and violent people, violent people, a forceful, a violent man, the, the Greek word is there, it says it's a forceful, violent man, one who is in eager pursuit, positive assertiveness, used about the believer in his faith, God's inworking persuasions, guiding and empowering them to act forcefully, fired up by God by his act of revelation. I like that. And then the last part of it says, and they have been raiding it, and then and the King James Version says they take it by force. That word is harpazo, and it means to seize, to snatch, to obtain by robbery. To seize by force, to snatch up, to suddenly and decisively, like someone seizing bounty, to take the prize, the spoil, to take it by an open display of force. Ooh, man, that's a lot there. Now, when you look at these scriptures, I've read this many, many times over the years, and I've, I've read it and I've thought to myself, okay, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence. So the kingdom of heaven is under assault. That's the way it makes you think. Oh my goodness. The kingdom of heaven is, is being subjected to violence and the violent people have been raiding it. The King James Version says, John the Baptist, until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You would think to yourself by looking at this scripture for the first time, you'd say, my goodness, what's going on in the spiritual realm? But I want to offer you, by looking at these Greek translations, I want, I want to give you a translation that says this. Go ahead, hon. The kingdom of heaven earnestly and forcefully presses forward and is entered into by earnest, eager pursuers of it. Does that sound completely different? I'm going to read it again. The kingdom of heaven is earnestly and forcibly pressing forward, and it is entered into by earnest, eager pursuers of it. 
Now, I will tell you never, don't ever take one scripture and base a theology on it. Scripture always has to be backed up by other scripture. So I thought to myself, well, where in the world would you ever find another scripture that looks like that? In Luke 16, 16, it says the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing their way into it. The law and the prophets, the King James Version says, until John, since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presses into it. I want to give you another better translation that will make us understand it. The gospel of the kingdom of God is being proclaimed and everyone is eagerly and intently and purposefully pursuing entrance into it. Does that sound like something you can get a hold of? What I want to tell you tonight is this. The kingdom of God, number one, advances through forceful people. Period. Every breakthrough that ever came is because somebody or some group got a little pushy, got a little forceful, a little teed off, got quite hungry, got quite determined, became angry against the enemy. Not all people, but would, but not at people, but would stop at nothing less than the fulfillment of the promise. Forceful against the enemy to win people to Christ. Number two, the kingdom of God advances through focused people. Number three, the kingdom of God advances through pushy people. Are you with me? (laughs) Keep going forward. Keep going forward. Keep going. There, there it is. Okay, now go through all those. The kingdom of God advances through focused people, through pushy people, through persistent people. And I'm not talking about outwardly obnoxious. I'm talking about an inward resolve. You can be quiet and still be resolved in your mind. I will settle for nothing less than God's will. I'll be resolved, determined, and fixed, and persistent, and steadfast. I want to rekindle tonight that forceful, persistent, pushing, and hungering fire that is within you and me. Settling down is our enemy. Let's do some violence against the enemy tonight. I'm not talking about settling down that says you can't retire. I'm not talking about settling down that says you can't go on vacation and leisure. But I'm talking about a mindset that that loses hunger for more of God. That's what I'm talking about. When we lose that kind of settledness, that's the kind, when we get into that kind of settledness, we've lost our persistence before God. We need more power. We need more healing. We need more salvation, more gifts, more fruit, more unity, more love, more impact, more Christ-like behavior, more healed marriages, more prodigals coming home, more transformation in our society. Settling down means you lose your hunger for advancing the kingdom. You somehow become satisfied that this is all we can do. This is all that we can possess of the Spirit, this side of heaven. Content to stay right here. And the American dream is one of the biggest causes of it. It causes us to settle in our spirit. The American busy lifestyle is one of the other reasons that causes us to settle down because we see all these things going on. You just accept society is going to hell and the world is unredeemable. I hope you wouldn't say that, but think what I said last week. 150,000 people died today and went to hell and that's where it'll be, I guess. Or do we take advantage and we say, you know what, I'm going to advance the kingdom of God. 
I'm not going to sit back anymore. I don't want 150,000 people. I want to grab one and snatch him from the gates of hell. Settling down is accepting what comes your way instead of plowing through the fullness of the Lord. In Jesus' time, desperate people all over Israel forced their way in. Think of the woman that had the issue of blood. For 12 years, every bit of money she had, everything she had... Bo, could you turn that thing off for me? Could you turn that off the air conditioner? (laughs) Everything she had, she spent to try to get well. And Jesus comes through town. And the throngs around him are so heavy that the disciples even say, when he asks about someone touching him, they, they say, how could you even be asking? Look at all these people. There's probably animals running loose. It's just a madhouse. This woman, she was quite forceful. She was sick. She'd spent all of her money. The thick crowd kept her back. But she forced her way in. That forceful, but outwardly quite timid, violently laid hold of the kingdom of God and sought what she needed from God. No was not in her vocabulary. Think of the forcefulness of the two blind men. Jesus is about to leave Jericho. The crowds are are following him. And two men begin to cry out, two blind men, Jesus of Nazareth. And the crowd says, be quiet. Hush you two silly boys. They begin to cry out even louder, the Bible says. Even louder. The word louder there is the word megas. Megas. A megaphone. They cried out loud, Jesus! Do you hear me? I'm blind, but I need you! Violently they shouted. Vehemently they shouted to God. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save Him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. The word fervent there is a very strong word. It means vehement, powerful, sure, mighty, engaged in a combative, mighty, strong act. Settling down is losing our forcefulness. I'm not talking about being loud. I'm not talking about even being emotional or obnoxious. It's simply I won't settle for anything less than the promises of God. Settling down is losing that pressing on, that pressing in, that reaching for more that we are always called to live in until the trumpet blows or we leave our last breath on this earth. That's what I'm talking about. That kind of fervency. Paul knew it. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, he said, Not that I have already obtained this or I have already been made perfect, but I press on. No settling there. No settling with it. Yes, he knew his Lord and the power of his suffering, but he says 20 years he had been a believer, but he said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold for me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I'm not there, but I'm not settling down, he's saying. But, no, but one thing I do... 
forgetting what is behind me. I strain. I press. Pretty forceful, doesn't it sound, toward the, what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I want you guys to understand tonight, the kingdom of heaven is both a journey and a destination. Both a rescue operation in this broken world and a, and, and a perfect outcome in the earth that is to come. Both already started and have not yet finished. The kingdom of God should bring radical change. To sit back with a settled heart and not be moved is actually very dangerous. This means that those who say they have encountered Jesus, yet live a life that reflects no change, is similar to saying they've been hit by a cement truck and were not hurt. We can't meet Jesus without being changed into a new creation. With new desires to please Jesus and to despise sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. I've often wondered in my life, I've been in services, powerful moves of God. Even, even people have talked to me about when they went to, to the revival in, in, in Pensacola, Florida, how one man will be standing there and he'll be moved and, 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 and be changed and transformed and cry out to the living God and the person next to him will stand there and not be shaken at all. And I've said to myself, what is the difference? The difference is hunger. The difference is hunger. I will tell you this, it never, is, is, it's never relies on God. It always relies on us. Our relationship to Him is always means, well, you know what, i got to get closer. I need to get into the secret place with God. I need to spend more time with Him. I can't just spend a moment or two. I've got to get in that place and spend time with the living God. That's how I'll know Him. That's how I'll know His voice. One is hungry, one is thirsty, one is yearning, one is not satisfied, one is not settled. The kingdom of God advances powerfully, and no force can thwart that, which, that forward progress throughout the world as long as our Lord wills it to. The gospel is being proclaimed, and it will not be stopped. Similarly, those determined to be part of this marvelous eternal kingdom of God will advance towards it and enter into it with the forceful determination that will surmount any obstacle. They, too, will not be stopped. The kingdom will come with a holy power and magnificent energy that has been pushing back the frontiers of darkness. The kingdom is making great strides, now is the time for courageous souls, powerful people, to take hold of it. This is no challenge for the timorous or faint-hearted. God is calling us to be men of war. He's calling us to be men of God, warriors before Him. Because of the obstacles that lie ahead, it will take earnest, eager, forceful, determined men and women of great faith to face such opposition and to lay hold of the prize. Jesus urged, his, urged the people in Luke 13, 24. He says, strive to enter through the narrow gate. The NIV says, make every effort to enter through the narrow gate. I will tell you this, the Greek word there, strive, it means to contend as with an adversary. Half-hearted attempts will fail. Nominal devotion and effort will not secure the prize. Victory requires a total commitment of faith. Lukewarm won't cut it. We must be headed for home full speed ahead. It was as it were on the it was as it were a city attacked on all sides by those who were eager to take possession of it. We have to be men of eager, impetuous zeal who grasp the kingdom of heaven with much eagerness as men who would snatch off and carry away the spoils of a conquered city. That's what God's calling us to do. 
I'm going to read to you tonight from Pilgrim's Progress. I want you to listen to this story. And you can read along with me. This is a view, a view built from Paul Bunyan's... Or Paul Bunyan. <laughs> He's a big guy. Pilgrim's Progress. Then the interpreter took him and led him up towards the, the door of the palace. And behold, at the door stood a great company of men, as desirous to go in, but durst not. There also sat a man at a little distance from the door, at a table with a book and his inkhorn before him, to take the names of them, those who would enter therein. He saw also that in the doorway stood many men in armor to keep it, being resolved to do to the men that would enter what hurt and mischief they could. Now as Christian, that's the name of the, the guy there, if you haven't read this story. Now was Christian somewhat in a maze. At last, when every man started for fear of the armed men, Christian saw a man of a very stout countenance come up to the man that sat there to write, saying, Set down my name, sir, the which they had done. And he saw the man draw his sword, and he put a helmet on his head, and he rushed towards the door upon the armed men who laid upon him the deadly force. But the man, not at all discouraged, fell to cutting and hacking most fiercely. So after he had received and given many wounds to those who had attempted to keep him out, he cut his way through them all and pressed forward into the palace, at which there was a pleasant voice heard from those who were within, even those who walked upon the palace, saying, Come in, come in, eternal glory, thou, art, thou hast won. So he went in and was clothed with garments as they were. Then Christian smiled and said, I, I think verily I know the meaning of this. Now said Christian, let me go hence. But for myself, I am not convinced that this is really what it means in the gospel text. I'm telling you guys, I told a man this week, this, a guy this week, I said, you know what? This getting into heaven isn't what I think we've thought it was in the past. All we have to do is just say a couple little words, and that's the end of it, and it's all done. And God puts a little wand on our head, and now we're saved, and we're sanctified, and that's the end of it. It is a fight! It is a fight to get into heaven. The prize of which we're going for is so glorious. Amen. Someone asked me this week, says, why don't you give an altar call every week? Oh, the reason I don't is because I don't want it to be just one of these things that we just take for granted. I want it to be something. You know what? When you see that time, when it's time for you to come forward, just like it was for my brother Frank back there, he, you don't have to, I don't have to give an altar call. All he has to say is, you know what? I've been thinking about this thing. I've been praying about this thing. God has been dealing with me. I'm convicted of sin. It's time for me to know my Jesus and Savior. I do it on purpose. I want you to know that. Because you know what? I don't believe it's as easy as we have made it in our world today. Just say these couple little prayers and it's all done. We've got to contend. It is a fight. You're fighting an adversary. The enemy likes to do you in. Strive to enter through that narrow gate. We have every piece of armor to aggressively take it to the enemy. Our will is the only thing lacking. Will we pursue or will we settle? I was talking to a lady this week. She'd been pray their church had been praying for the community. They'd been praying for, for Porterville. And I said, how's it going down there? You guys have been praying for three or four or six months. And they said... 
Greg, we, we don't, we're not doing that anymore. We're meeting before Sunday morning service. And we're praying for our pastor and we're praying for our church. I want to say, Pastor, grab yourself up by your bootstraps. Stand up and be the man of God that he's called you to be. That's what's going on in our world today. You know what's happening? Is the men of God, where have they gone? Instead of praying for the lost, we're praying so our pastor can make it through the next day. We're praying just so he'll get a little revival in his heart. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with praying for your pastor. You should be praying for him every week. You should be praying for me every week. I want you to pray protection upon me. But you know what? More importantly, I want you to go out and do battle against the enemy. I want you to be a conqueror. I want you to do enemy. I want you to make the enemy scared. Going into be at battle, you will only be as successful as the leader who you're following. If he's weak, you will be weak. If he's a mighty warrior, he's somebody proud to go into battle with, then you get behind him. And I will tell you guys the same thing here, right here in Ignite. I'll tell you what, we don't have a membership purposely. Because I want you to know this right now. You know how to know you want how you can vote? You vote by your feet. If I'm not leading you into the presence of God, if I'm not challenging you, if I'm not preaching truth, if I'm not walking it out before God, then you know what? I expect you to walk out those doors and say, you know what? I'm not going to follow that man. I'm not proud to serve with him. But I will tell you this. If you find a man of God, you get behind him. You find that man of God and you get behind him with all your gumption. And you say, God, you know what? I pray for him, but I'm praying for the lost. You know what? The enemy wants to distract us. He wants us to be settled in all these other areas. We get busy praying for all this foolishness when we should be out battling the enemy. 150,000 people died today and went to hell. And we're praying for our pastor because he'll get a little excited about God. How foolish! I don't need a title. What I need to do is I need to battle lions and bears in the secret place with God. Because you know what will happen when I do that? When I find myself battling in the secret place, then when the enemy comes up in front of the public, I can say, you know what? I can take on this enemy. But so many of us, we don't do battle in the secret place. And we expect to get up in front of everybody and say, I'm going to fight the enemy right now. You go away. You stop it. But you know what? When we've spent time with God, when we've been battling the bear and the lion, when we take that lion by his little scruff of his neck and we wrestle him down like David did, when Goliath comes roaming around and he says, hey, I'm ready to do some battle against you, you know what? You can stand up because you know what you can say? I've been doing battle over here where no one was watching. Nobody was looking at me. I don't need a title. You don't have to call me pastor, but I will tell you this. I'm going to walk before you as a man of God. You don't need to pray for me that I'm going to get excited because you know what? I am excited about God. I live and breathe it every single day. We got to be prepared to go into battle. We need to be prepared to get behind the man of God and say, I'm ready to go into battle with you. 
If that man that you're going to church behind, if you're not proud to get behind him and do battle against the enemy, find a place. Find a place where you can. I want to engage the enemy. I want to run. I want to fight. I want to engage. I want to charge. I want, to, I want the gates of hell to shake when they hear my name. I want, I want all hell to break loose. I want demons to flee. I want cancer to be scared. I, you know what? This week I, had a, I went to the doctor and I, found, I, got a, I got this report. And it said, Advanced degenerative disc space narrowing... Advanced disk space narrowing. Now, first of all, that word advanced kind of got my attention. It didn't say starting advanced. So I talked to my doctor about it, and he talked to a specialist about it, and he talked to somebody else. And their report was this the majority report was your back is like an old man, Gregory. But I chose not to believe. The majority report. I chose to believe the minority report. He said, by his stripes, I am healed. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times when we need a doctor. And you know what? God's given us doctors. But when they say, you know what? you got an old man, 70-year-old man back. You know what? All I can tell you is, I need God to infuse me with something new. A new life. A new vertebrae. A new disk space. I'm ready to do that before God. I want to engage the enemy. I refuse what the enemy says. And I'm going to advance before the kingdom of God. I will take it by force. That's what God's calling us to do. Go to the next one. There is no doubt in my mind that most men in this world are enemies of the cross. They choose to have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And I'm like you. How do we reach them? But I'm not here to talk about them. I'm here to talk about us. How can we expect to reach anyone when we need to be reached ourselves? I'm talking about God changing us, whipping us into shape spiritually. Because most men of the church today are living powerless and pointless lives. Why are so many men of the church uncommitted to faith? We've gone into survival mode, just trying to find a way to get through the day. So many of us have become detached from God, discouraged and defeated. We're living, but it's lifeless. Because the honest truth is this, our lives are in turmoil. Most of the men in the body are not rising up. They have become mere listeners, onlookers, lazy and lethargic. We are living in sin, but when did sin ever become okay? We have become more fearful of men than fearful of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Is it getting through to you? We are in a state of emergency. We are in desperate need of godly men. Men who are willing to lay down their lives for the kingdom of God. So what do we do? Because as men, we might just be more impacted by the world than we are impacted by the word or by spirit. And it's destroying the church. It's destroying our communities. And it's destroying our families. Have we given up? Are we communicating to God that our role as men is not important anymore? 
Aren't you tired of seeing the media portray men as weak, incompetent, and stupid? Is it enough to show up once a week, Sunday, and listen to the word, but not believe it, not live it, not use it to impact the world? It's an epidemic. Most men of the church have become spiritually complacent, and they are lukewarm at best. But we were not created to be like most men. We were called to fear God, to love God, to have unwavering faith in God, to be loyal to lead, to be steadfast to serve, to be humble and holy. Men, we were called to be a living sacrifice for our families, for our church, and for the kingdom. We have been chosen to lay down our lives every day, to die to self, to take up the cross, because godly men don't live for themselves. They live for God to fulfill the will of God. Because our lives scream, to God be the glory, to God be the fame. Because we believe deep down that we are his unstoppable instruments of war and we are his precious vessels of peace. Yes, we are warriors, valiant warriors. We are armed with weapons not of this world. We possess power unimaginable because hidden in us is a spirit so holy and glorious that it longs to display itself in battle. We were designed to stand in the gap and to labor by prayer and by action till the job is done, to never back down, to never walk away, and to never give up, to always persevere, to always hope, and to always trust. For no one could author a greater cause than this but to be God's valiant warriors and listen to be part of the greatest army on earth, the brotherhood of Christ. Each one of us fashioned specifically by him and for him. This is your time. This is your moment. So rise up and lead, men. Let us be everything God designed us to be because we are men. I met John out here. I knew him before from town. And everybody kind of said, well, he's just that old angry guy. Don't go near him. He's mean. <laughs> In fact, my deputy, Ron, even says, you don't go to, your, you don't go to that guy's house by yourself. <laughs> He'll yell at you. That was me. <laughs> I'm no more. No. Guys, I was out here working one day and I said, John, hey, why don't you you think about coming to Tuesday night? And this has been maybe six months ago. He goes, well, I don't don't go to church. I I don't, I'm got probably beat up in church, I'm guessing, sometime along the way. (laughs) And he came that night. And I thought, well... There's a first time for everything. He'll never be back. And then he came back. And then he came back again. And then he became a permanent fixture in the back there. But I believe it, Lord. I'm going to be here. And uh, the real testimony, and I don't, you guys don't know this, but he used to play cards back in this, this place. And he came to me a couple weeks ago and he said... Greg, there'll be no more card playing in this place. This is a church. But you know, not only that, guys, he takes home my messages and plays them three, four, five times. And when he gets done with those, when he gets done with that message, he gives it to somebody else. But I can tell you, Corey can testify to this. We said to him last week, we said, John, and even Ron and I were seeing him in town. We said, there's something different. His countenance has changed. There's something different about John. I want you guys to know, this is what I'm talking about. 
When it happens, it doesn't have to be one of those, okay, come up here and I'll wave a wand over you. It's that, you know what? God started stirring within his heart. The Holy Spirit began to move in his midst. And you know what? God changed him, transformed him from the inside out. Amen. We thank you, God. Yes, we do. Lord, I just ask for right now a special prayer upon John. God, I pray that you would seal this word in his heart tonight. God, that which you've done. God, we pray right now for a new sealing of the Holy Spirit. God, a new unction, a new power of the Holy Spirit in his life. God, set him on fire. Consume him, I pray, in the name of Jesus. God, powerfully anoint him, I pray, in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for what you've done in his life. God, I thank you for the testimony. And God, I know in a couple weeks we're going to be baptizing him in the name of Jesus the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit hallelujah 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 give the Lord a hand cap of praise glory to God hallelujah 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 I don't know how that could have gone any better than with my message tonight exactly where I was going. But I told you the Lord had perfect timing. I wanted to preach this months ago. And the Lord kept saying, hold it up, Greg, hold it up. Put on the brakes, let me lead this thing. Connie, go get those kids. We're going to worship with the kids before we take off out of here. Glory to God, huh? Wow. I don't even know what to say. (laughs) Whew.